This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the square dance. The lost scan square dance. I'm just kidding. I don't even know how to square dance. But I, I will tell you this, Kyle, I hope to God you've seen this guy. Have you seen the dude in the blue shirt that is the clogger that is like all over Instagram reels and TikTok and everything? Long where hair. Long hair. Mullet. Yeah. Hey, by the way, did some research. First name, Jeb. J-E-B. I, what, I mean, what, what I don't even it? know why I looked it up. I, I, I mean, I, I knew that guy's name was Jeb from looking at him. But here's the thing. I sent him a $1,000 check in a Florida Risk Partners t-shirt and told him that if he would do a 30-second just flat-out hammer in the clogging session wearing an FRP t-shirt, he could and send it to me, he could cash the check for 1000 bucks. We'll see what go. happens. I guarantee you that we go viral with that. Everybody loves watching that dude just clog his way around wherever he's clogging. Speaking of square dancing, though, like one of the most ridiculous things is that they, I, for whatever reason, that's like something that you learned in elementary school. Like you had a square dance day. Yes. At like you don't learn, you don't learn shit about like anything important. You just learn how to square dance. Like no taxes, no insurance stuff. None can't, of that. Can't even use an ATM. Don't know how to balance a checkbook no. or fill up yeah. your car with gas for that matter. No. Like I've, I've gone through all of this. But you can square dance your ass off though. That's good. Well, you know what? That sounds like a lot of people who come into the insurance industry and they just really don't even know where to start. They don't have the tools. They got some life experience and some general worthless knowledge, but you really have to set yourself up with the right stuff to be able to go out and call on new business. And then once you do, demonstrate value on the front end. And so before we diverged and started talking about, you know, various rustic dance forms, you know, we, we're in the middle of the introduction of the podcast. So today we have Mr. Scott Knowles, formerly of Magic, that has got a brand new technology that he has developed, not even just for producers, man. I mean, I look at what Scott's doing with Lost Scan, and I'm like, there are so many applications to business in general for this product that it's a no-brainer. You know, this is something that's been needed for a long time, and I'm not gonna waste a bunch of time sharing my opinions. I can sprinkle those in as we're recording. But Scott, why don't you... Uh, it's been a couple of years since you've been on. Why don't you give everybody sort of the 
quick update of where you've been and what's going on and we'll roll from there. Yeah, no, sounds good. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it's been kind of a, a whirlwind ride for me. I mean, we obviously uh, met first when uh, I was the owner of Magic and went through that acquisition, which was a lot of fun. I uh, had a great time uh, going through that and uh, life's changed a little bit. I've had a couple of years to kind of step back for and uh, figure out, you know, what's next for uh, Scott and what can we bring to the insurance market? So, you know, we spent a lot of time in, in the quote unquote off season, so to say, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what should we do next? And it just so happened that while we were developing Magic over the years, we constantly heard, you know, a problem. And it was, hey, is there any way we could get information off loss runs? It's always, no, that's just, that's just impossible. It's something that sounds great, you know, but it's kind of a pie in the sky uh, opportunity to, to try to tackle it. And we eventually came to a point where it's like, hey, let's see if we can't do something with this. And uh, luckily, I have an incredible partner who uh, is a mastermind behind the uh, keyboard and uh, in the back end, and he's come up with just an incredible AI system that's going to just change the industry, in my opinion. I think it's just huge opportunities, not only just in the insurance market, but like you said, I mean, we can literally roll this thing in just about to anything. So it's really, really cool. And we're excited about it. Yeah. I mean, what you guys are doing every time, like I swear, man, this is 100% the truth. Almost every single time that I get up and speak anywhere in public, one of the very first things I say is, why do we accept a lack of reciprocity from our carriers? Right? Because when we go out and we go to market, we are required to do what? Put information into a standardized application. And that in that application is the standard for the entire insurance industry to use when you make a submission. And you even have to have your client or prospect maybe at the time sign that. And that's an official record, right? And if you don't have that, you don't get to bind coverage. You know, you might not even get a quote. If that information is incomplete, but there's never been a standard for how we get information from the carriers as agents, right? Why hasn't there ever been a standard format? Why can't Accord come out with something that is a standard loss report format that everybody should get, right? And I'm not here to say, hey, go talk to your big eye or everything else and lobby Scott <laughs> out of business. But I mean, you're solving a problem that likely is not ever going to get solved on the agency side. And that is, we get crap from a bunch of different carriers and we get tons of different. I mean, I've had accounts where I've had a hundred pages of loss runs that I had to go through to even start making sense of what I was going to get into, whether or not we were qualified to help them. And there's no real way to do that, right? If you're savvy, you might have some sort of OCR technology that you can scan in, but it's not dialed in and it's not going to map correctly unless you really, really are way down the road in terms of your technical abilities, in which case I might recommend maybe going into a job selling software or something instead of insurance. But you're solving that problem, man. I mean, when you showed it to me, that's the first thing I said, holy crap, how much easier is this going to make my life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, it's just like where everything I would say, where's there a problem, right? And you know, understanding that this is a huge problem in the industry. I mean, there is no centralized hub that carriers have all agreed to, which would be, I mean, this is, that would be the biggest one. If we get all the carriers to like come together and say, there's a centralized place that we all can distribute our loss runs, right? Maybe that's our big picture down the road of what we could potentially do with the software. If we can develop something that, you know, houses this information in the, in the correct format, protects it and allows people to share it properly. I mean, who knows where that could go, but the reality is, is as of right now, you're not going to get that consistent uh, agreement amongst all of the different carriers. So 
what's the next best thing? Well, everybody sends out loss runs. You can get a loss run, right? The problem is, is just like you said, you can take it and you can shoot it online through an OCR uh, PDF to Excel converter. You're going to get all the data there, but it's just a mess. You know, you can't, there's no real validation of what's what. And in many cases, those OCR systems, what they do is they actually combine the information. So it doesn't know where you need to separate, you know, the name where the title of, of the name is, you know, the claimant and then the actual claimant name. So it says claimant, claimant name, all combined into one. It also won't separate the first name, last name necessarily. And it's not going to put it in a place where it's like, these are all the claim numbers. These are all the claimants. This is all the paid losses, so forth, so on. So, you know, the real issue that we have is how can we get this stuff off of there? What's the easiest way for us to do that? Now, there's a couple other systems out that that are attempted to do it. But from what we've seen, they're just not validated the way that we validated our system so far. I mean, We've created something that is just absolutely incredible. The way that it actually runs, manages, uh, it can find the information. We're also doing this all right here in the USA. You know, we're not sending anything off, you know, overseas to have, you know, a bunch of people in the back end try to code to each individual loss run. We built such a dynamic system that, you know, we don't actually have to build a code for travelers, build a code for ICW, build a code for whatever new loss run may come, come in and come out. We've created this great community application that allows us to quickly map the information and give you the results that you need to be able to do whatever you want with them. And you know, like you said, Dave, when we were talking about it the other day, it's, you know, how can we take, how can I take this information and, and quickly prepare something for my clients and present it to them in a format that they understand, you know? And we've had uh, so many, I, I mean, I can't tell you, I mean, since we've just announced this on LinkedIn. We have had just hundreds and hundreds of people who are jumping onto our beta, which is fantastic, number one. But number two, I've been doing beta discovery calls. And during that, we're just coming up with even more bigger ideas. And so like you said, you know, what's the consistency of loss runs? How can I get consistent loss runs? So through our calls, we realize that there's an extra need here of taking this information once we have it in our system and be able to actually present Loss runs, recreate loss runs that have, you know, from ICW travelers, Hartford, whoever it may be, but put in a consistent format. So when it's being presented to a client, you're not jumping from one format to the next, trying to find the information to present it properly. We're going to create essentially your own custom loss runs that you can export out of the system and view in a PDF, let alone the other formats that we're going to be able to export in. So there's just really some really cool, phenomenal ways that we're going to address this marketplace and, and just provide so much efficiency to the brokers, to the carriers, um, and to the community itself. So it's pretty exciting. I have to believe, I'm not even going to say this is what you wake up thinking every morning. I just know that if I was you, you know, the way that I think right now, knowing what I, the limited amount that I know and what the limited amount that I've seen of loss scan, I would be waking up every morning in your bed thinking to myself, Number one, why am I in Scott Knowles' bed? But number two, <laughs> number two, I would be thinking, oh my gosh, how much more powerful would Magic have been if I had this then? Like, because what I see from this is, you know, you have the ability to take what we do with Loss Scan and integrate it with mod auditing software and completely remove the necessity to manually key all of this stuff in. And I don't want to. Like number one, I don't know if this is what Scott's idea is. So there's no NDA or anything. I'm just telling you 
how my mind works. But I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that one of my biggest gripes about the scanning technology with any mod auditing software is it's only for scanning in the actual mod worksheet itself. What good does that really do you if the data on the worksheet is bad, right? You have to have loss runs to validate or you're not doing a mod audit. You're simply using technology to create great reports from information that might not be 100% accurate, which means I'm going to clean your plow at the point of sale when I take the time to manually key it in and do it the right way. The only option that we have right now that is somewhat cost effective would be to train a virtual professional to do this for you and have them start doing all the data entry into experience modification factor audits. But even then, that's a little bit cumbersome. And I'm also the type of person that I like to do the data entry myself because I'm intuitively picking up on trends as I'm keying things in just by reading all of the descriptions and things. But from a productivity and an efficiency standpoint, as a producer, if I'm the one that's having to do this, if I had the ability to take loss runs from five, well, for a, a loss period, three different carriers or whatever the number is, but scan those in and let it pre-populate with the injury codes and the reserves and whether or not it was open and closed and all of that, and then push a button and have it go and, and take me to where I need to enter in the, you know, the premiums by class code or payrolls by class code or whatever the next information is. Premiums by class code, I think is what it is on the worksheet. I always get it confused. But, um, and then enter that in. And then boom, hit a button. And now it's taking me to here's what the mod is based on the loss data that you've provided. You know, here's here's the top loss drivers. And then look, even take it a step further. Like, cause we're not far away, man. There's there's different components to all of this stuff out there. And it's kind of like the big race everybody's doing with CRM and AMS on a smaller scale, because not every agency is that ingrained in doing stuff with experience mod and, and, is, and loss runs at that level. But we're almost at a point where I can see that we can have a product like Loss Scan that you could have from a very beginning to an end, complete loss analysis with all of the reports, all of the other things you need to go back and look, and truthfully, probably package that in a way that it becomes really, really powerful in the event that you're going to actually submit that piece of business to underwriting. Because now they got it all there. Yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, there's just so many different opportunities that we can, you know, look at when we're talking about, you know, what the lost data can do and where it can go. So part of the, the system that we're developing and building out, it will actually have the capability of building an API. So we have many carriers. We have other software companies who are talking to us about building us a direct API. So when you go to export the information, you can literally go through and select the lost data that you want and then select your export, you know, uh, mode, whatever it may be. Now, in many cases, like for instance, when, with Modric, what we had was we had an Excel spreadsheet that you could import in the system. Well, we'll reach out to, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the current owners of our software and reach back and say, hey, look, we'll go ahead and develop an export that can be imported directly into your system. So our intention is to make sure that we're working with the applieds, you know, with the Zywaves, with, you know, whoever it may be out there and making sure that we're building the necessary tools to direct it in. Now, as we've gone through this process, we're already working with some carriers where in an instance where you want to take your information and send in your submission, you'll actually be able to take a loss run and drag it and drop it directly into, for instance, give me an example, it could be travelers or whoever it may be. They may have a little box that you drag and drop a loss run in. In the back end, it'll actually run right through our system, decode all the information and import it right into there so underwriters can quickly and easily analyze a risk. I mean, that's really the big thing for them. 
On top of that, our hope is down the road, we'll be able to benchmark. So you'll be able to benchmark not only your information that you have in the system, but also globally. You know, we want to make sure that we're giving the capabilities and the value to our customers for what this data really can do for them. Obviously, in a case where we're doing it at a high level, we'll never go down to a business or a broker or, or individual like that, keeping everything high level. So if you want to do a search in California and say, hey, you know, what does a car dealer like, look like in California, right? So we could actually show the analytics on a benchmark basis of what's going on with that particular type of uh, risk that's out there. So I think dynamically, there's just a million ways that we can take this. You know, the thought process of doing reports and such, you know, I really thought long and hard about whether or not we're going to go down that road. There are so many different softwares out there that can provide those types of analysis that we don't necessarily want to compete against. We simply want to give the platform to take the data from one point and put it into another port to where that data is now usable. And so that's really our primary focus right now. However, there may be a possibility in a roadmap that we could potentially post on different charts and graphs that you could build out based on the data, and then you can pull those charts and graphs right out of our system and then put it on your documents. So we wouldn't really be creating quote-unquote reports necessarily, but more or less the data and uh, direct analytic information that you need to be able to present whatever thought process you have to a particular customer. So there's a lot there. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, you could even take it further if you had a content library, because that's one of the things that I've always talked about, whether it be cobbling it together using like a Magic prior to your, your exit with a Mineral or a KPA, or whether you use Zywave with Broker Briefcase and, you know, their uh, ModMaster tool. You know, you can't just go in with the diagnosis. You also have to provide the treatment plan in order to be effective in closing business. And this is just another way. Like you could literally create this thing so that when those reports are generated, tags are developed from keywords in the top loss drivers that then are used to pre-populate content as suggested resources. That would be legit. You know, so literally you're taking a producer who's never done a mod audit and say, hey, Johnny, all you have to do is scan in the loss runs and key in a couple of numbers for premium by class code and you're golden, man. It's going to give you everything you need to do to go out and sell the account. And if you really want to take it to another level, you know, instead of taking them directly to where they download the actual uh, PDF of that information, take them to a landing page where they can download it, but also have a video of somebody who's actually been there, done that explaining to them how to use that resource and maybe even have a downloadable talk track around it for the point of sale. So it's not just as simple as, you know, you download this and go hand it to somebody. You do really have to have some talking points around it. But if you think about it, man, I mean, I realize that we're way off the, the, you know, subject of what LawScan is, is trying to do right now. But I'm looking at this thing from a global perspective and you could really put some great things together. Now, I have been accused before by the CEO of a major insurance software company of not being forward thinking or thinking I didn't know what I was talking about. So discount that, Scott, because, you know, that might just be completely uh, something that's unrealistic. But I don't necessarily think that it is because we've already got the components. We just have to connect them. Yeah, it, it, listen, at the end of the day, in, in my opinion, when it comes to like software solutions, right? I mean, because software solutions, the reason we have software today is because of people like you who are out in the field who understand what the need is, right? If you're not out there, you don't really understand the need and the value of what you can create. I mean, the lucky thing with me is being in the industry for 25 years as a producer, you know, I, I was in there fighting, doing everything I could possibly do to grow my book of business, right? I understand it. So, 
from a, for when you look at other software companies, the ones that are developing products, right? They don't they don't understand. They don't get the mentality of a producer. They don't get the mentality necessarily of the industry itself. They're just somebody who's out there who says, "Hey, here's an idea. Let's build this." And what happens is you that's where you see these software solutions that are so they're just ugly. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many ugly software solutions that don't understand how a producer's mind works, how an underwriter's mind works, right? So to have that capability and to also go through this process for me personally of building a software company, spending 10 years turning it into what it was, and then having it acquired, and that entire process, the back end, everything you need to know on how to run a company like that, and then turn it into something successful, gives us a huge leg up in the industry. So we we already know with, with what we have, I mean, we're literally sitting on this incredible golden nugget that's going to explode. And my main goal, I mean, when we think about, you know, what's the problem and with everything, it's always like, what is the problem? Where is our solution? You know, and there's really three problems that are in the industry. Number one is the most important and valuable thing that all of us have, time, right? Nobody can give you back time. The time is there. The amount of time you spend equates to what? Money, right? So time and money always go together. But third and most importantly, when it comes to this particular instance is also accuracy. Because even though you could have somebody spend the time, which is going to cost you money to have it, you know, completed, the question is, is how accurate is the information, right? So that's really the three keys when I look at the software of what we're solving for the industry is how quickly can we get information in and give you the results out? You know, during our discovery calls, I was having one who was uh, asking them, you know, I always ask the question, I say, well, what's the value for you? You know, where do you feel as though, you know, the value is, what would you pay for the software? And it was talking to, you know, a manager and an underwriter and the manager leaned to the underwriter and said, well, how much time do you spend doing this per month? And she goes, well, I spent 80 hours last week. And so I said, when I asked, I said, well, I, I want to know what you pay for it, right? Because we need to build out our pricing platform, figure out, you know, what is reasonable for the marketplace. And, you know, her response was, well, you know, take an underwriter salary and, you just got the amount of time it takes, so there's your value. And guess what? It's actually more valuable than that in, in our mindset, even though we're not going to go down that road, because that 80 hours gets turned into 10 minutes, right? Because it takes us literally under one minute to take an 80-page loss run, extract all the data out in a perfect format that you can then utilize in any software that you want to. I mean, there's massive value between behind that. And the accuracy, it's it's perfect, you know, because we're using real PDFs and we're scraping that information right off of those. So, well, and the I other mean, thing too, Scott, and you know this, man, you know, from a, a human error perspective, number one, 100% chance that if I have more than about three or four pages of loss runs, there will probably be at least one transposition of numbers because you're my ADHD yeah. is going to take over and I'm just going to start thinking about what's for dinner or I wonder what the kids are up to at school <laughs> while, while I'm in the middle of doing it or, you know, any number of things. Right. But the other part of that, too, is even if you were to go and train like a virtual professional and offshore, you know, outsource this to them, there's some loss, loss runs that are out there that are relatively I don't want to say they're overly complicated, but if, if, if you don't know your way around like a variety of loss runs instead of just the carriers you deal with, you could make mistakes because there's a lot of people that will include the expense load within the um, medical and indemnity. And we know that has to be extracted because it's not used to calculate the mod. And so there may be some level of manual math that has to be done before you know exactly what amount you're supposed to add in. 
and all of that stuff. And I think, you know, just from the ease of knowing that once, and this is me understanding how your system works, right? But knowing that once that loss run is mapped, unless there's anything that changes with, you know, materially with how those, those loss runs are constructed and then sent to you, you don't ever have to mess with it again. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's really the big key here is, you know, how can we solve that problem? I mean, the great news is we solved it. I mean, we literally have solved it. You know, we all we're doing right now is we're literally building our UI behind the system itself. Obviously, you know, we have a, an incredible algorithm that we've built and developed. And, and here's the other thing. So, because a lot of the other companies out there, the other companies that I know of that are doing this, is there's really three different systems that will extract in our OCR systems that people can run them through. You can run them to Google has one you know, so forth, so on. So there's different ones that you can run it through and try to extract data and figure out which one's going to give me the best results of the scan. We're not doing that. We've created our own system. You know, we've created our own mapping system. We've created a community mapping system too, which I don't I want to get too deep into it right now. But, uh, you know, as we begin to release that, I mean, it's going to be pretty incredible. It's not going to stop anybody from waiting for us to map any loss run ever. You always have the capability of getting that information instantaneously. And David, I don't know if this is something that, you know, would be, you know, uh, you know, just try to get your thought process on this, because this is something else that we've been considering as well as kind of creating this verified uh, repository, so to say. So you as a producer, you download your loss runs into our system. We extract the data. We now give you a link. That link you can send with your submission to an underwriter. Within that link, the underwriter can click on it. They'll get your verified loss runs that or a unified loss run and an Excel spreadsheet that they can take and manipulate the information, but will actually be considered a verified loss run housery. So in other words, that link will show them images of the loss runs that have been imported in the system. It'll show the resulting data. So if the underwriter wants to go back and forth and check and say, hey, are these real? Is this real information? We can essentially become that repository. So it solves a ton of problems for your submissions. It's like the underwriter gets it. They have all the information that they need right there in front of them. Potentially, they, they've got a, a streamlined loss run that they don't have to go through and manually enter into their system because we've given them the data and or we'll build that API that would just, boom, shoot right in and, and allow them to grab it. Uh, we may even create like a uh, an API uh, Dropbox, so to say, that an underwriter can go in and grab the information right out of there and, and utilize that information. I mean, the use cases are, are really just, you know... <laughs> all over the place. You know, risk managers have been contacting us. Uh, you know, TPAs have been calling us, MGAs, carriers, brokers. I mean, everybody in the world has been reaching out to us and trying to figure out, okay, we want to participate. We want to figure out how we can do this. Give us the tools that we need in order to implement into our system and create these direct APIs. And so that this is just streamlined down the road. And so, you know, the use cases are just unreal, you know, and, and the problems are solving are I mean, I can't tell you how excited I am. I'm just, I'm super stoked. You know, this is, it's not even a sale. It's, it's, it's quite interesting because this isn't something that we even have to sell because it's just something that is so deeply needed in the industry. Um, and we feel like we can really make a huge difference and change, you know, with, with everybody, you know, as we begin to push out this product. So, I mean, I definitely see it as a game changer for sure. I know, David, you messaged me, I think it was last week, and you were like, dude, this new, <laughs> this new thing that Scott's got going on is ridiculous. And I don't, I don't remember what it was that you, you, you told me like what one of the features was. And I was just like, damn, like that would be awesome. Yeah. I think one of the things that I, I think 
if we haven't even, we haven't talked about this yet, but you and I, we've talked about, I talked about this earlier. I was on a coaching call with some producers, but you know, the other area that this helps you with is identifying weaknesses in that client or prospect game, right? Because we all know that if we get that you will get lost runs, we'll go to manually key the information into um, the mod auditing software. And as we do, the lost runs are like incomplete, right? Really crappy description of the accident or you don't really have the, you know, you don't have the, the, the right body part or a specific, you know, spe- specific enough body part, or maybe it'll say laceration, but you don't know what they were doing or whether they were, you know, handling a piece of equipment. You don't know the cause of injury. You don't know all of the things that you need to really put together a just locked down mod analysis. A lot of the times that stuff's not there. And so you have the ability to then scan all this in. And again, you're not going to have to sit there and read page by page by page and get through all of the crap that's not relevant to you making sure you have a complete set of information. You can scan it in and very easily identify all the areas where you don't. So that if you're, again, producers, listen to what I'm telling you. So if you go in to meet with somebody that's a you know a prospect after they've given you lost runs and part, this is part of you um, doing your your analysis for them, you can ask them the question, talk to me a little bit about accident reporting. What's your policy for your company? Because here's what I know. The overwhelming majority of the time that we get bad loss runs from a carrier, it's not the carrier's fault. It's the fact they didn't get the information on the front end. And that's your client or your prospect's issue because they don't have a process. It's your issue if it's a client because you didn't bother to help them create that process and then put the accountability in place to make sure it's there. But for prospects, you can go in and ask these questions very quickly and it's low-hanging fruit. And again, now you have the ability to do that. If you've got the right tools like a mineral where you can create the handbook and the safety manual in a, in a formal company policy that says, you know, look, we, we need to get rid of lag time. Well, you need to report any incident. I didn't say injury. I said incident, which includes injuries. 20 you know, within by the end of your shift on the day that it happened, right? Or at, le- at the very latest, within 24 hours. Anything longer than that, you're at risk of disciplinary action. Because I think that when people get injured at work, the employer's left holding the bag in their mind, thinking, we don't have any power out over this. Well, you don't have any power over it because you didn't have a policy in place to hold these people accountable to. It's just like when people, and you know this, Scott, it's just like when people get um, you know, released for light duty, or we're trying to get them to MMI on a worker's comp claim, and the employee's missing work, they're not calling out, they're not letting you know when their doctor's appointments are and everything. Well, why do they do that? Because you don't have a policy that, that you can hold them accountable to and enforce. Employers are not helpless when you have an injured worker if they have policies and procedures in place and hold people accountable to following those. They have issues because none of that exists, which is why you need to be more than just a policy placer slash order taker when you're going out for new business. You need to be able to identify these problems and offer solutions. Yeah, I think that communication on the front end is what we talk about a lot of times. And I I could see employees being, if, if they don't know what the proper procedure is, being afraid to, you know, maybe report something because they don't want it to come back on them and, you know, be looked at negatively. And then they 
sit at home and somebody else starts talking to them and they're like, you need to do this or you should get paid for that. And then it turns into this whole big mess that it, it really didn't need to be if it was just communicated effectively on the front end. Yeah. I mean, the average person, when they get injured at work and, and have a worker's comp claim, it's the first time it's ever happened to them. Right. right. We talked about that with Kevin Ring when he was on. It's the first time it's ever happened. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. They're scared to death. They think it might be their medical insurance that they're going to have to pay for. And well, you know, we talk about this too. If you have a high mod, you probably need to ask about that company's benefits because they likely suck. And you've got a bunch of Monday morning comp claims because people don't have money to fund their deductible or they're out of pocket. And I think that's a natural thought process when somebody has an injury at work too. Everything that we're talking about boils down to culture. That's it, period. End of story. Policies, procedures, how you implement them, how you revisit and train them, how you communicate them. That all has to do with having a culture of insurance and risk management in your agency. And if you don't have that, that's what producers need to be doing with their agencies. We're at a time right now where every single person out there is shopping, period. Doesn't matter how long you've had the relationship, doesn't matter how good that relationship is, every single client that you have is looking for relief in some way, shape, or form. You very likely will retain those accounts, but they will feel better for keeping you honest. And here's what I'm going to tell you. That also means that if you have a single weak link in your armor, somebody who doesn't is going to be able to come in and exploit that. And you better be out in front of all of this stuff. And and again, tools like LawScan are for it. They're going to help you. I always say producers, loss runs are not just for submissions. They're for you to get the history and the story on an account and know what's going on before that submission ever happens. If you're going into meetings and you don't have loss runs when you're trying to close a deal that you can ask questions from about lag time, subrogation, open claims, you know, light duty return to work, all of the things that we blast on this podcast all the time, what are you really talking about? I mean, you need to have all of this information so you know what questions to ask when you go in. You know, it's funny. I, I think that the uh, when, you, when you talk about some of the things you're bringing up, I mean, technology that we have today in the marketplace, there's just there's tons of great technology out there, right? It, it's it's the question of how does a good agent utilize it, right? So it all starts at the house, right? The broker themselves, the ones that who are really successful, who have high retentions, are those already have this plan in place. Because the reality is, is in that scenario, right? You have all these different carriers who a lot of them have risk control services, they have applications, internal ones that they built. But if you're going to move a client from one uh, carrier to another carrier, that changes. So if you can't create this consistency internally, your process that you use day in, day out, so that that customer doesn't feel the strain of like, oh my gosh, now I have to go through a whole new carrier to figure out what does their claims process look like, right? And that's where the centralizing of all the different applications and your internal processes as a broker become so valuable. So if you don't have that in place, when that customer has those claims, they know whether it's now or 10 years from now, the process that you established is always the same. It's always going to do what it needs to do because you have built essentially this machine to be able to manage the claims. And that's where like, for instance, like, I mean, our friend uh, Just Dance with Zendries, like I love Zendries, you know, Just and I talk all the time. We have our little, you know, back end thing. We go back and forth and chit chat about just about everything in the world. And you know, he's a great guy. He's built an incredible company, in my opinion. And, and he's got just some, he's solving some big problems, which revolve around exactly that claim process. So, you know, I love technologies like that. Um, one thing that, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on aside from law scan is I really want to create kind of an atmosphere and, and a community around the technology 
that drives the insurance industry. InsureTech today, the way that it's been running, right? Uh, 10 years ago when I started Logic, I mean, InsureTech was just barely on the map. Look at it today. It's just been growing. And there's all sorts of new ideas and technology out there that's driving these ideas that are mostly coming from producers, the people in the field who understand where the problems are, and they're trying to figure out a way, how can I solve it? So one of my goals is not just to continue to move forward with LawScan, but also potentially have my own podcast to talk about nothing but insure tech that is available for producers. So keep posted, don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm talking to a couple other individuals out there who are uh, ex uh, uh, software guys in the insure tech industry that I think would be a huge value to be able to bring to light some of these softwares, much like you do, David. I mean, primarily, I think the focus here is, you know, how can you improve, help producers produce, right? That's your goal. You need to figure out how to do that, but also bring all the technology behind it in a different story. It'll be a lot of fun too. So, yeah, you know, I think you need to hook up with Jason Cass. And you just reminded me, I talked to Cass last week and I meant to send an email introducing the two of you. So I'm going to, but he actually has a an event. I'm not going to call it a conference because it's more of an experiential event called the Indie Tech Showcase that he is launching for the first time this year. And I think that there's a lot... I want to make this delineation because I think that a lot of times when agents talk about InsureTech, it's all encompassing. I don't view... I think there's two different kinds of InsureTech. There's actually more than that. There's the InsureTech that is basically designed to try and remove the middleman, right? And get the producer out of the way. Then there's the insure tech that's designed to make our lives easier. And that's also designed by software companies that might likely have never, you know, stepped foot into an agency, but had an idea and hire some consultants. But then there's that group of technology that CAS classifies as indie tech that is technology of agents by agents for agents. It's people who have walked a mile in the shoes and realized these problems are out there, just like you did with Magic, just like you're doing with Lost Scan, but it's a much more educated approach to pushing something out there because you actually felt the pain that the need or that the that the software solves when you were trying to produce and, and as a result decided, you know what? I'm just gonna invent something that'll make this better. And so I actually really, really like a lot of the indie tech things that are out there. You you see a lot of really smart agents that are coming up with these ideas. I mean, Todd Tams has built Mod Advisor. David Watson has built Risk Advisor. You know, Peter McDonald has built Wonderwrite. I mean, I can go on and on and on about all of this stuff that's there. But my goodness, some of the best technologies that we're using at the... Jess is another one. Zengery is another indie tech guy. These technologies that are getting built by agents should not be overlooked or discounted, people. You know, I would much rather have an agent that's a resourceful and, and forward thinking and, and smart enough to even just come up with the idea and begin the roadmap of this process, who knows they need to outsource development and everything else, but to ultimately make it a really good product, than deal with some software company that's trying to understand insurance. And that's that I'm not poking at anybody specifically. I'm just saying in general, there's a lot of companies out there that were software companies that decided they wanted to get into, into the insurance space. And now that's where we are. It's a different dynamic when you have somebody who's in the insurance space that wants to develop a software product because they have felt real pain on the streets and they're much more convicted about getting that solution to market, in my opinion. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, you look at, for instance, like Salesforce. I mean, Salesforce is a great example of a software. It's a kind of a cookie cutter box, right? 
And way back in the day, you know, when Salesforce was out there, I always wanted to go to Salesforce and say, just hire me. Just just hire me so I can show you what the insurance industry needs so you can actually build this thing instead of making me sit here and try to build it myself. And it took them forever to finally do it, to finally create some sort of, you know, uh, um, confluency that works extremely well in the, in the insurance industry. I don't even know if it does. I mean, I, I don't, I don't touch, you know, Salesforce that often. I'm a, I'm a HubSpot, uh, user and, and I love HubSpot to death. I think it just solves so many problems for me personally, you know, from a software standpoint. And I think it's a great fit for, uh, uh, the insurance industry as well. But man, there's just a lot of opportunity out there. And, and honestly, David, I think one of the problems that you have in this industry is, you have all these great, great, great minds. And what I mean by that is you've got producers, the people out in the field, you've got carriers, you've got brokers, you know, underwriters. It doesn't matter who they are, but they may have an idea. The problem is they don't know how to fulfill the obligation, take it to the next step. They're too scared. They're too afraid. You know, they're, they don't know what the cost is going to be. They don't know how to, how to really plan it out. And then they haven't been through it before. So they don't know what they need to really take a software that's an instance and turn it into something that isn't right. Um, and so that also, you know, brings up just a, another concept, which is it'd be, I'd love to be able to have, you know, kind of this centralized, you know, tool or, 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 or group of individuals who can actually advise, you know, these, these agents who have ideas, uh, create the ability to actually fund them as they take it down the road, finding the partners who can do that. But if mm -hmm. we have something that's kind of pre-built out, it's like, Hey, you got an idea. That's in the insure tech industry. Bring it over here. Let's talk about it. Let's see how we can turn this into something that's really valuable because most just don't know how to do it. You just kind of you bootstrap it. That's what I did. But the problem is when you bootstrap, it takes you 10 years like it did me to finally get to a point to where it can be acquired, right? And, and even that wasn't my you know, objective with Logic. I had no intention on selling that company. You know, I mean, sometimes there's things that are put in front of you that you just can't turn away from. And that just happened to be that instance. And, you know, I'm very proud of what we created and I'm proud of what I did, you know, at that company to solve and fix a lot of issues that they had, you know, on that side. So I feel as though, you know, even their product has been improved and, and we've helped because we brought new mind thought process into the systems of, of what it's going to be. So, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, there's just a huge need for individuals to be able to direct their energy. And, and maybe that's something that I can help solve, you know, through the podcast. And, and maybe it's something I can help solve in, in a totally different brainstorming uh, way. I mean, we, Jess and I, we kind of created a group a, a while back, you know, which included myself and Jess and, and a couple other software owner, owners out there and, and, and mind thought processes, uh, that uh, we brought together. We all would meet in our quote unquote mastermind uh, group. And uh, we meet in Texas and we literally sat in the hotel room and we had markers and we just drew all over the, all over the windows and, and tried to think of you know, how can we solve these problems that we're seeing in the industry? How can we improve the flow? What can we do to really make this an easy process for producers or, you know, our clients for just underwriters, carriers, doesn't really matter. But you know, getting those minds in a room to be able to kind of throw those things against the wall was, was a lot of fun. I mean, and, and we got, we actually came up with some great concepts. So, well, I'll tell you, man, one of the things that I see happening, I'm sure you see this too. And, and this goes back to my roots here mm -hmm. in Tampa. I have been highly involved with the Tampa Bay technology scene, you know, the Tampa Bay Technology Forum, the Tampa Bay Technology Foundation, the University of Central Florida has a massive technology incubator. We have the Technological Research and Development Authority over in Melbourne that is dealing with all kinds of technologies that are being spawned from the Department of Defense and the Space Coast over there. We have Tampa Bay Wave, which is a massive technology accelerator. And I've known Linda Olson, the 
lady who's the executive director of that for a number of years. In the University of Florida, we have, you know, not only just regular tech, but the Sid Martin Biotech Incubator has won worldwide awards. A lot of people don't even realize that the University of Florida is the second largest technology transfer organization in the entire world. And I've sat on these boards and I've worked with these companies and I've seen the resources that are given and the number of these companies that succeed versus those that don't have that ability. And they bring in, you know, professional people to volunteer and be ad hoc board members for them. They give them the infrastructure and the office space they need to be a part of that. And, you know, we did not have that for a long time in the insurance industry, specific to some of this indie tech and the insure tech stuff, you know, that we're talking about today. But, you know, we've got, I would last week, I, for the better last part of the week, I was in New York City and I went and met with David and Tony at InsureTech New York and I learned about their accelerator and all of the different companies that are in there and the fact that these guys both have uh, exits from InsureTech companies and they also have a VC fund that they're actively looking for in investors in. If you're the right person and you're looking for a place to throw some coin, I would highly recommend you reach out to these guys. Then you've got, you know, who's really got it all figured out is the big brokers, man. They know, they understand they need to invest in this stuff. And it's a heck of a lot cheaper than having their own R&D. But if they put something together like Broker Tech Ventures, where you've got some of these groups like my old old stomping grounds over there at, at BRP and, you know, Ron, uh, Ron Assisi's place, I forgot, uh, Horton Group. You know, all of these are coming together. And so we're starting to see the industry take notice and realize, oh, we probably should go ahead and figure out a way to nurture these companies so that we can actually see this technology not just get to market, but also thrive. Because you know as well as I do, the overwhelming majority of these ideas are going to fizzle out before they're ever cash flow positive on their revenue. And that's no different than the majority of the deals that you see on Shark Tank and all of these other places. TV glamorizes it and makes it look like it's easy. And just because Damon gives you you know, a quarter million dollars for 43% of your company doesn't mean that your company is going to be successful. It still has a better than average chance of failing even after that. So that's what we need. I'm happy to see that you guys are doing that and you're creating these mastermind groups in an informal way, but I'm also happy to see a lot of formalization around what's happening in the industry and the support that the industry by and large is giving those people that are willing to take the risk and step out. Because at the end of the day, man, you had your exit. You didn't have to do this, right? You didn't have to come back and solve this problem for anybody. You could have just, at least I'm assuming you didn't. You know, I mean, right. But I mean, (laughs) from a from a financial perspective, you had no reason to come back and do this. You could have just sailed off into the sunset, lived a very comfortable life, and then been on your way. And so that tells me that you know, number one, you and I are wired very similarly because I don't know that I'll ever be able to stop either. But you know, there's as long as there's a need, there's going to be people who are willing to meet it. We've been going almost an hour, man. I want to ask you one question. I'm not going to ask you anything. That's going to put you on the spot, but this is, this is a question that is not, I'm just going to put it out there. I have never had an exit at this point, right? So I I haven't had an exit from the agency. Don't anticipate having one anytime, you know, at least in the next, next decade or so, but I've never done that. You had 10 years of your life invested into a product, man, Mm -hmm. and you exited. To me, the closest thing, even though I haven't been through it yet, I know it's coming. I dread it every day 
it's got to be like giving your daughter away as the bride on her wedding day because <laughs> you spent all of your life investing in this in this girl, right? If she grows up into this woman and she becomes attractive and everybody, you know, people want to date her and eventually somebody says, you know what? I like you enough. I want to marry you. And now you are handing her over to a, another guy for the rest of her life, you know, based on the nuptials that we all say when we get married. What was the emotions for what were the emotions for you when you went through that man was it a roller coaster were you happy and then the other question i have and you can choose to answer this as politically as you want and it's not specific to the the company that you necessarily exited to but i'm interested in what that dynamic was like when you're like 6 months in and realized you know what this isn't mine anymore you know i i it was a great deal I would, you know, it was the deal of a lifetime. I needed to execute on it. You got over the initial phase where it's like, eh, now what? You know, at some point the adrenaline rush goes away and you realize, oh, wow, you know, I, I got to ask permission for things or answer for things. And, and you may not have been in that dynamic. You may have had complete carte blanche. I don't know because, you know, the details of your, your deal are none of my business and we haven't talked about any of that. But I'm interested in the emotional aspect because I got to believe, man, that that's just, while it's extremely exhilarating to get a, a nice, you know, chunk of change for an exit, there's part of me that has to believe that there's still some emotional turmoil you go through when you go through something like that. So, so you said a lot, um, and I'm going to answer as, as best as I possibly can. So, you know, you're right. It, it is like your baby, but you know what you really invest in, and I think what the hardest part about not only the decision that we made to sell, but the emotions that went through it were. You know your customer. They were really the most important th thing to me. They were my investment. They were the ones who who really believed in what we were doing, who really relied on us to bring them a product. You know, so I think the most difficult thing was realizing that you are no longer going to have control over what you can and can't do for those customers. You made promises to those people to sell them. You know, that you're going to do X, Y, Z, and you just you just don't. You're not going to have that control. So that to me was probably the most difficult part about the decision that we made was understanding that how is this going to affect our user group? How is this a positive thing? Is this a negative thing? Is it just, you know, status quo? And then what can I do moving forward to make sure that, you know, I'm staying true to, you know, our software and our promise and everything else? So to answer your first question, you know, that was really that was my baby in the, in that sense. Were those customers, those people who really believed in me? They were my babies, and and we always, when we ran the company, just like we will this one, is in the same mentality that our customer service is the most important thing that we can possibly bring. Because if you trip up on that piece and you don't fulfill those needs, if it takes you ten minutes to get back to somebody, you know, you you just you just ruin those relationships, right? In my opinion, or or I'm kind of falling true to what the rest of the industry does, which relies on tickets, right? I rely on people. And I think, you know, one of my most important investments that I made into Magic was having this the software that we integrated in our system called Intercom, because Intercom allowed us to immediately solve problems um, and find out, you know, where are the pain points? What are the issues? And so I had a requirement internally uh, with the people I had hired to do my customer service who, who work for me um, to make sure that the amount of time it took us to respond to anybody, unless, of course, it was over a weekend or something like that, even then, you know, I would actually respond was under a minute. You know, I wanted to make sure that nobody had to sit there and wait for an answer. Right. And then using that time to listen to the problems and solve them through software, because 
if you have to build out a huge customer service backend to support your software, you've got a problem with your software. You know, you need to solve the problem to stop the phone calls. Nobody wants to be called unless they're calling you to say, hey, we love this, or I'd love to see this improvement or something like that. You don't want them calling and complaining, right? So, so those were some of the key things that were important to me. As far as like, I will tell you that the, the roller coaster ride, and it was an absolute roller coaster ride. People don't understand when you're selling a software company, there's something called discovery that you go through. Yeah. Discovery is unbelievably painful. It's like literally being beaten every single day with the same question over and over again, being asked it in different formats, different ways. And it was just, it, it gets so frustrating because it's like, look, we're a simple company. We made this a simple company. We don't even, this, this doesn't even have any sense, but it's just part of that process. And so going through that and not knowing, you know, one second from the next, you think that, you know, you've got everything laid out and then you just don't know if at the last minute, you know, what's going to happen. And I've talked to other friends who had software companies and literally they went through the entire process in the last day. It's like, we're pulling the plug, right? And, you know, for us, it was extremely difficult because we were selling to our direct competitor. So it's like, how much information do you give out, right? How can you protect yourself from making sure that you don't go through that process and they take yeah. out your guts and lay them on the table. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, see you later. You st we just stole everything from you. It's like, well, now we're screwed. You know, now what do we do? Right. So I will tell you that once it, 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 it was a very painful process, but I was very pleased with the people I was dealing with who actually got it done. You know, I, I did, you know, by the time everything was said and done, um, I enjoyed, you know, uh, the people that I was working with. I, I was, I enjoyed the opportunity that they gave me to improve another software. Uh, which was their ModMaster product and, and to go in there and integrate the two and, and try to bring the two together in, in, a, in a newer platform. So, you know, I'm proud of what I did over there. Um, you know, I feel as though we had a great impact. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, there's there's tons and tons of, of emotion and process that goes through that. But I, and I remember, you know, after we were acquired, there were a lot of people who were posting things, you know, and I think, you, David, I appreciate it because you actually stood up for us and, and stood up for me. People were saying that, you know, well, why'd you, you gave in, you know, and, and so forth, so on. And, and uh, you know, just another person out there who's trying to collect a paycheck. It's, I got a family, just like you got a family and everybody else, you know, and I have to think about them at the end of the day. And, and I took a lot into consideration for it, you know. And it wasn't easy, but I made the right decision and I'm happy with it. So, well, I, and I think I remember that phone call that you and I had at eight o'clock in the morning, knowing it was five o'clock in the morning your time as if it were yesterday. And I, I remember telling you at the time, I'm happy for you, but I'm not happy, right? I'm happy for you that you have now changed your family tree. You've, mm -hmm. you've, achieved, you've achieved the dream that you set out to achieve. And, you know, truthfully, if anybody holds that against you, Screw them, man. Seriously, screw them. Because they, there's nobody at all that ever set out to build something great. And when they get it to the point where it's attractive enough that they can benefit financially in a very significant way from it, that's going to say, yeah, I'm a man of principle. I'm a lady of principle. I'm not interested. I did this for the good, of, the greater good of the industry. Bullshit. No, you didn't. You did it because it met the need of something that you had a problem with and you decided that at some point, you know, you just weren't going to sell, right? You, you, or the product sucked and it wasn't going to ever get anywhere. But anybody who's built anything worthwhile to where people are going to acquire it. And, and truthfully, 
didn't have any way to really perpetuate it beyond where it was, they're all going to do the same thing. Here's what I'm going to tell you, people, as we wrap up. We're a little bit, we're like right at an hour. I want to be respectful of Scott's time and everybody that's listening. But here's what I'm going to tell you about Scott Knowles. When I was upset and left my prior provider that I was very vocal about um, using back in the day and moved to Magic, I literally sent my termination email and within 30 seconds was on the Magic website requesting a demo. And in under five minutes, I didn't get a call from a virtual professional. I didn't get a call from Scott sales guy, even though he had one that was selling for him. I got a call from Scott himself that said, look, I understand you're looking to demo the product. He introduced himself as the CEO of Magic. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Now I got somebody's attention and we had a great conversation. I'm telling you that because this guy has been in the insurance industry, walked a mile in our shoes. He understands that you have to... I get so irritated when we talk about how great our customer service is. Quit talking about that, people. That's the expectation. Okay, you servicing your clients is what you get paid to do. If you do that in some awesome way that's unique that you invented, then by all means, brag about it. But if you're getting certificates out in a timely fashion and returning phone calls and emails in a timely fashion, that's your job. I'm sorry, you're not doing anything that's rocket science. But this guy takes the time to make that personal connection on the front end. And I'll be honest with you, it's one of the only reasons that I took his call when he reached out to me about LawScan. And the only reason that he's been invited back on the podcast today is because I believe in Scott and what Scott's doing. And I know that this product solves a problem that our industry faces. And I definitely think that if you're out there wondering, like, is this for me? Is this something that I should be looking at? And then tomorrow you're bitching and moaning when you're having to key information in to do an audit on an experience mod or whatever else. Reach out to this guy. See if you can't get a look at what he's doing. Get involved in his beta. And when it's ready to roll out, buy the product. I don't get paid a dime for telling you that. Scott, will you verify that? You're not paying me to have you on the podcast to recommend your product. Not a dime. I'm all, I'm only going to send you a steak. That's it. There you go. There you go. So, well, and I'm, I'll probably have to give that to somebody else because I'm behaving on my eating plan. I'm doing really, really <laughs> no, no more Wagyu. No more Wagyu then. Yeah. Kyle, you had, uh, you, you had something? No. Like oh, you're steak. raising your hand. You want the steak? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, Scott, seriously, man, really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate I appreciate your it too, man. You reaching out. I appreciate you uh, sharing, you know, the, the bit that you shared with me with your user interface and what the back end of the site looks like. You know, again, I wish you nothing but continued success. But most importantly, I thank you for your friendship, man. I really appreciate the fact that you can, you and I can still have civil conversations and be friendly even though you had a little bit of a, you know, with your exit, it caused me a little bit of a heartache uh, with some people. So we're good. I want to make sure everybody understands that listening to this. So well, I appreciate it very much. I, you know, and David, you know, I mean, it's funny you talk about all the different things. I mean, you think about who we work for, right? We work for our families, you know, that's yep. who we work for at the end of the day. You know, I watch, you know, you as a father, and I told you the other day, you know, how impressed I am, you know, how, how you treat your kids and what you do with them and, and the amount of time that you spend with them. And, uh, you know, it's just inspiring, you know, uh, you know, how you're able to bring your kids into this industry because it does not a lot of people do the things that you've done from that standpoint. So, uh, kudos to you for, for doing those things with your family because, you know, when decisions are made, you make them for them, you know, at the end of the day. And, th and that's what we all focus on. So, 
again, thank you for having me on. It's great to see both you guys again. And, you know, I'd love to get out to Florida here. And, and as soon as I, I fix my wrist, uh, I can get back on the golf course and, and hopefully uh, start throwing some rods. Awesome. Really? Sounds good. You let me know when and we'll be ready, my man. Sounds great. Thanks, All guys. Right, brother. Have a good one. Everybody else, we'll catch you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>